0: Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos in Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis. My guest today is Chief Justin Pais. Chief Pais has been a member of the Dublin Police Department since 2003. He earned his bachelor's degree in criminal justice from Bowling Green State University. Chief Pais and his wife, Abby, have five children and are proud members of the Dublin community. Welcome to this podcast, Justin.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Elaine. I really appreciate you reaching out, and I um, love the opportunity of uh, getting to sit down and speak with you a little bit about my background and my work here at the Dublin Police Department and with uh, the City of Dublin. You know,
0: I'm always happy to meet and interview people who have a connection with Texas, and I know exactly where Alice, Texas is. I know you grew up in Willard, Ohio, but your father was a migrant worker. Tell me about growing up in Willard. Yeah,
1: so I guess uh, my story and my movement to Willard, Ohio certainly begins with my grandfather. Mm. Um, My grandfather and my father um, were both migrant workers. Mm. Um, They uh, were from originally the Alice, uh, Alice Texas, and in, in, in that area, down around Corpus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they came to Willard in uh, the 70s to work in uh, the farm area that is just outside of Willard, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a small um, area just outside of Willard that has uh, a really good, rich uh, farming land called uh, Celeryville. And so my grandfather um, heard that there was work in Willard and came and found a job there over the summer, And then traveled back to Texas in the off season and certainly shared the information and opportunity with other people that he knew. Mm -hmm. And so over time, there were several families that migrated um, each year back and forth uh, from Texas to Willard uh, for the opportunity that was there to be able to work and provide, you know, a life for their families as well. And so my father was young when uh, that was. Part of his uh, life and and, uh, coming back and forth between Texas and Willard um, Mm -hmm. each year until he was 10. Uh, And then uh, when he was 10, they finally stayed in Willard year round. And so he grew up in Willard and graduated from high school. After high school, he moved back to Texas for a few years. Um, got married. And then just before I was born, he moved from Texas back to Willard mm-hmm. uh, and, and started uh, you know our family there in Willard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in Willard my entire life. I was born there. And I uh, was in Willard until I was 16 years old. Uh, then when I was 16, we actually moved from Willard to the Toledo area of mm-hmm. Ohio, mm-hmm. Um, where I spent the last two years of high school there in Toledo.
0: Right. Did you and your family travel to Texas often? I, I imagine you had family there.
1: We did get a chance um, on summer vacations to travel back. And, you know, it was and I I appreciate you asking the question because it's been a long time since I really sort of reflected on those family trips. So we would, uh, you know, I have three sisters um, who are all younger than me and then my mom and dad. And we would load up in a car and drive that very long trip um, all the way (laughs) all the way from Ohio back to uh, to Atlas, Texas and and. Um, stopping and visiting family along the way. And as you um, are familiar, I'm mm-hmm. sure, in Texas, everything seems to be hours away from each right. other. Right,
0: and so uh, half the but- trip was Texas, was... You know, yeah, going the across really Texas. Was. Yeah,
1: it would take us the better part of an entire day, mm-hmm. uh, 24-hour day, to get all, all the way there. But uh, you know, my dad would would drive that entire way, all the way through. And you know, we just tried to stay as occupied as we could uh, as young kids in the car. But you know, I, I was reflecting on that, preparing for the conversation today, and just mm-hmm. how much I enjoyed mm-hmm. um, that bonding experience that I spent with my mom and dad and my sisters not just um, on the trip, although that's a huge part of it, is just spending the time together, but being able to see where my parents um, you know, started their mm. marriage and life together um, in, in Texas and where they were um, able to visit their family and friends and to be part of that um, experience. And it's funny, when you're a kid, you don't really appreciate that your parents have it, had an it entire life without you before. <laughs> and so it's always good um, to, to meet family and cousins Uh, And their aunts and uncles uh, and extended family who I didn't spend a lot of time with being that far away from where they grew up. But to be able to connect during those trips was, you know, was really a rewarding experience and really gave me a a fondness and appreciation for, um, you know, how connected they were to family there and how hard it must have been for them to leave all of that and to, um, you know, to bring uh, our family to Willard, Ohio, mm-hmm. and for them to be separated from uh, from that family, so it was always good to go back and reconnect and and to share, you know, what um, uh, developments they've had with their family and their life uh, with uh, with their extended family in Texas.
0: Right. Uh, I've only taken the trip to uh, from Ohio to all the way my family lives in McAllen, Texas, uh, once okay. in in. And I think I was a little traumatized by how long <laughs> it took to to get there with that, with that, with my family as well, with my daughters and my husband. And so that was uh, I remember that it is a long trip.
1: Right. Yeah. So uh, you said you were familiar with um, where Alice is. But mm-hmm. how do you, how are you familiar with the, the Alice area?
0: Uh just traveling so my family, okay. you know, I'm from the border, uh, Matamoros, um, Texas. Uh, uh okay. Matamoros uh, uh, Tamaulipas and it's right across Brownsville, Texas. So okay. um you know, traveling, visiting Corpus Christi and um and that area so I uh, you know, I'm familiar with it. Um, well,
1: that's how I when when I share and I ask people where they're at from uh, where they're from in Texas. Mm-hmm. I often share Corpus as sort of the area because yeah. it's it's the yeah. city that sort of resonates and people have a familiarity with. So, well, it's really not Corpus. It's you know it's it's close to Corpus, but um, that you know, that somebody recognizes. Alice and the King Ranch area, you know, was exciting for me. Right,
0: figure. right. Because <laughs> they're yeah. small towns.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. There was something familiar, too, when we would travel back. You asked about those trips to Texas, and there was a, a certain familiarity between the small town life in Willard mm-hmm. and certainly that small town life in Alice that was, right. you know, very complementary and analogous to sort of understanding why um, migrant farm workers decided mm-hmm. to settle in Willard mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you know, and and, and raise their family there as well. Right. And one of the things I was thinking about just this morning as I was you know, thinking about this conversation today, um, I had a best friend growing up in Willard who lived really just down the alleyway from me. It was one street over. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always, uh, to me, resonated even as a kid was um, his grandfather was my grandfather's best friend growing up in, mm. in Allard. And so just the idea of, you know, as a kid, you sort of don't have that same awareness of how big the world is, but also how connected it is mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. If you grow older and you run into people that have connectivity or familiarity with um, your family or friends or where you grew up, you realize again, then it changes. And the, and the perspective is how small the world is, right. you know, everybody is. Connected. But as a kid, that reality of my grandfather's best friend and um, that, you know, they lived within a stone's throw of each other in Alice, is exactly how I grew up with his grandson in Willard, Ohio, oh, wow. completely yeah. across, you know, the nation. So, yes. I mean, just, you know, that, that was occurring to me again this morning, just <laughs> yeah. I mean, how fortunate I've to have that connectivity mm-hmm. or to have it
0: growing up. Right, right. Chief Pies, you're probably one of a handful of Latinos who hold such positions within law enforcement. A few years ago, I met the now-retired Chief Celestino Rivera from Lorain, Ohio. Tell me about this work. What sparked your interest in criminal justice?
1: Yeah, so my father um, was a police officer as well. Mm -hmm. So um, he retired at the beginning of 2019 after... 37 years as a police officer, and he actually retired as the chief of police as well um, in the city of Perrysburg, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, just on the south end of the Toledo area. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, my dad uh, started his career in Willard, Ohio, and he was one of 12 officers that worked in the city of Willard, um, and uh, I certainly grew up uh, watching what he had a chance to do in Mm -hmm. serving and protecting that community. And it was the town that he, um, again, spent from 10 years uh, through the end of his high school career in. So he knew sort of everybody who lived in town and and had a familiarity with um, all of um, the the businesses and the school and the school uh, teachers. So he had a really very intimate connectivity to the community. And Mm -hmm. so watching him work as a police officer in Willard um, in him being able to protect the community, to serve the community. And for me, watching him be able to solve problems uh, mm-hmm. for people in the community, for him to be able to have an awareness of what people were dealing with um, mm-hmm. and specifically know the people um, really resonated with me. And I always share that my entry into police work was sort of natural in wanting to follow in my father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just that he wore a badge, it was um, how he empathized, and how Mm -hmm. he cared for people in the community. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a natural progression to follow in his footsteps for this profession, but it's so much more for me wanting to chase that legacy that he set for me um, in being there and serving others. Mm -hmm. And so my interest in criminal justice was, one, wanting to emulate and follow in his footsteps to be able to take care of a community, Mm -hmm. to be able help others, um, but also um, really to uh, find where I could then have the same degree of impact on a community that he had uh, in the community there in Willard, and then later in Perrysburg, Ohio, as well. He's retired from the police department there, but still lives in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still where my uh, my mom and my sisters all live uh, in Perrysburg, Ohio. Um, and so Out of high school, I I got a chance to attend Bowling Green State University and uh, obtain my degree in criminal justice. Uh, And then almost immediately after graduating from the program there at Bowling Green State University, I got my first job in policing uh, in Oregon, Ohio, which is on the east side of Toledo. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I worked for uh, three years as a police officer in Oregon, Ohio. Uh, And then in 2003, I was fortunate enough to get a phone call from uh, a now retired lieutenant with the police department here in Dublin, who asked me to come down and take the test. Um, And an interesting anecdote from that phone call, um, that uh, lieutenant mm-hmm. was actually an officer who worked with my father in Willard, Ohio as well. he Willard as well, um, and my father uh, worked with him there for a couple of years and then, when my father left to go to Perrysburg um, around the same time, um, Tom Hershey, is the name of the retired lieutenant, came here to Dublin mm-hmm. uh, to work with department here and so when he heard i had graduated from college and that i was working as a police officer he gave me a call and uh, let me know that they were giving a test and looking for officers here in dublin Mm -hmm. Uh, and i came here to dublin and and saw exactly how beautiful this community is and met some of the members of the police department here Uh, and i took the test and, and things worked out and so i got a chance to start my career here in 2003 and um, and 17 years later, here I am still working and uh, serving and protecting the community and uh, the members of our community here in Dublin.
0: I imagine that was a big um, uh, dif- uh, difference, right, uh, between the – it sounded like there were smaller towns where you worked before you moved to Dublin. Um, was that transition easy, comparable, what, y- y- because it's a much bigger um, – the whole area, right, Columbus area, it's it's bigger, although you work with Dublin. Um, but I imagine right. it's a different type of community than the ones you worked with before.
1: You know, I, I, I thought the same thing. Um, and part of the reservation and leaving um, the Toledo area was we were leaving our family. So my wife's mm-hmm. family is the Toledo area as well. My uh, family is right there, um, and so some of the reservation was leaving our family. Some of it was we're moving to a bigger mm-hmm. community, which certainly provides opportunity, but understanding how what I was able to do in protecting and serving the community in Oregon would translate to my ability to do the same thing in Dublin was something that I cer- certainly anybody who is changing career fields or moving into a new position, uh, certainly uh, the uncertainty mm-hmm. of position is something that weighs heavy, I think, on the decision. But we also knew that um, in order for us, and I talked uh, 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 with somebody today about um, my children going off into, you know, to the world and, and, um, you know, spreading their wings. Mm -hmm. We knew for us, we were going to find our footing for us as a family. My wife and I um, had our our two oldest children at the time. Um, We probably needed a little bit of space and distance to, uh, again, find our own path Mm -hmm. forward. And resonating sort of on my father's childhood and my grandfather's experience in moving across the country right. to find a place to start their life and raise their family, I, I, you know, I, we consider to ourselves, this is an opportunity that's in front of us, and if we don't take it, we, we may regret forever mm-hmm. um, not the opportunity to find where we will be able to raise our family. Mm-hmm. And so what I always share with members of the community here in Dublin is I'm very appreciative of not just the job that I've been able to be part of here at the Dublin Police Department, but the way we've been able to immerse ourselves in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, We have five children now, uh, all the way from uh, 20 years old um, down to 14-year-old twins uh, at the high school. Um, And so when we left the Toledo area, we were looking for a place to raise our family. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we found when we arrived here in Dublin in this very welcoming community was we found a community that became our extended family. And so immersing ourselves in the community has been a great fortune and blessing for my wife and I and all of our children. Um, And so getting to serve in this capacity here as the chief of police in Dublin is really, I I feel blessed to have the opportunity to give back to this community, to take care of this community that has done wonders for my family and for myself in taking care of us. And I always say I'll spend the rest of my career trying to repay a debt I owe to this community. (laughs) Probably never make a dent in it, but I will do everything mm-hmm. I possibly can to pay forward all the blessings I've received here as part of this community.
0: Right. Uh, Chief Pies, I know in the past few months, especially being in law enforcement has been challenging. How are you and your staff serving our community during the pandemic?
1: That's a really great question, and this year has been tough on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been you know a challenging year for so many reasons. And one of the things that I'm very proud of for our organization and for our members is their resiliency um, and their adaptability and flexibility and knowing that we provide an essential service for the community, uh, protection and um, service in partnership with our community that Mm -hmm. our community has come to expect, and we have to deliver on regardless of the circumstances. And Mm -hmm. what I'm so proud of is our members being able to come to work each and every day in sometimes uncertain circumstances as Mm -hmm. we all navigate um, the information we're desperate to have more of as it relates to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. Um, but knowing that people are going to need our services, our protection and support as they navigate it as well as members of our community. Mm -hmm. And so some of the ways that we have Creatively found uh, an ability to be able to continue to connect and provide service to our community members or through, um, you know, really advances in technology, our, our ability to be able to take a report online, um, our ability to be able to take reports and keep social distance, so taking reports mm-hmm. over the phone, um, Uh, being able to afford uh, an officer who is here on station as a desk officer who can take a phone call even from our lobby to be able to take a report for somebody who needs Mm -hmm. to file an incident report or needs the assistance of a police officer but to be able to also create a buffer so they're comfortable in being able to get that service while also protecting themselves from the uh, potential that we may spread or transmit um, the virus if we are uh, experiencing outbreak an outbreak in our community. Right. Um, so I've really been proud of, again, our um, resiliency and the ingenuity of our members in being able to continue to protect and serve the community, even during challenging circumstances.
0: Right, right. Um, we're also facing a pandemic of racism in our communities. How can uh, law enforcement build better relationships with people of color who often mistrust the police?
1: I think that right now what we're experiencing is an excellent opportunity for us to have conversation Mm -hmm. from the community and from the police perspective to join a conversation and talk about what we do in policing and what that service and protection means that Mm -hmm. we are trying to provide to our community. Um, And one of the things that we've been fortunate to have is to have a passionate uh, public um, from our citizens to our businesses to our school Um, administrators and teachers, really asking questions about what we do as a police department protecting Mm -hmm. and serving the members of the community. Uh, And what I keep articulating to members of our community, to our businesses, to our schools, and to our members internally, is this really is an opportunity for us to to lean into conversation with community members Mm -hmm. and to first listen to what their questions and concerns and recommendations are for their desires for the service we provide as a police department, and then for us to help lead that conversation as it relates to what we do with intention in protecting and serving members of our community, and then for the conversation to continue about how we evolve as a profession in uh, policing, how we adapt and provide our service to the community in new ways as the community Um, members vocalize what their expectations are moving forward. Um, We only are blessed to do what we do in law enforcement because the public permits us to do so. Um, They uh, employ us to protect and serve this community. And so we have to be uh, open and to listen and to be ready to respond when the community asks for service in a different way Mm -hmm. or in a different capacity or when they have questions about why we conduct our business in a particular manner. And so I always love talking about what I get to do in law enforcement, what I get to do in policing. I never tire of sharing uh, what we do, but the really important critical conversations are why we do what we do. And then beyond that, who we are as individuals in our police department and as our um, dispatchers um, in serving the community that w- we want to connect in a way that is very real and authentic with our community mm-hmm. members. So they have a comfort level, uh, and so they have a trust in their mm-hmm. police department being there to protect and serve them. Uh, our mission at our police department is it, protection, service, and public safety in partnership with members of our community. Mm-hmm. And. One of the goals of our organization is community engagement, and it is a focus of ours and has been for the entire time I've been here with the Dublin Police Department. One of the focuses under that goal really is in addressing and responding to issues of significant community concern. Mm -hmm. And I would offer that what we have heard in the conversations on social justice um, with our community members is... That is an issue of significant concern to our community right now, and Mm -hmm. our job as the police department, again, is to lean in, to listen, and to learn from and lead that conversation. Um, So I have been very uh, happy to both engage in that conversation and to hear the things that I need to as the chief of police Mm -hmm. about where we should be going with our service for this community as we continue to work in partnership uh, to protect and serve uh, our community members,
0: right? I like to hear uh, two things. Two th- two things stand out uh, to me from from uh, your answer, and that's uh, you know the um, intentional uh, way of uh, building trust and listening to the community and what their concerns are, but also. Um, the ability to grow right grow from from what you hear from what you the feedback that you 're getting from from the community um, that that never stops that the opportunity for growth as a department um, is there always
1: absolutely yeah that's a focus of ours, and uh, certainly w- w- with everything we can do, an intentional effort on our part to again be responsive to the community and to be out in front of the problems that might present or impact our community so that our um, our citizens, our business partners, our uh, schools don't experience those um, difficulties that they might otherwise.
0: Right. Um, Chief Pais, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation about your work, um, about um, maybe some initiatives that are happening in our city of Dublin?
1: <laughs> you know, thank you for asking. Yeah, one of the things I would love to, to share um, – with anybody who is listening because we're still trying to uh, increase as much awareness as we can of the opportunity that exists and following up on the last question, um, you know, the conversations we had over the summer, including conversations during some of the protests we had mm-hmm. that occurred here in Dublin over the summer were really an opportunity for me to hear and listen to and engage with community members. And we have continued um, that conversation beyond those uh, those events that occurred over the summer and our intention is to continue them into the future. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm very proud of for the city of Dublin and our uh, city council and our city manager was in uh, August, and then following up over the next uh, several weeks, we enacted two new groups, community groups, to continue the conversation here in Dublin with our police department and uh, with our community members. And so the first was a, a community task force to discuss and address issues of intolerance and prejudice and bigotry and racism in the community and to come together to answer how do we become a more inclusive and, um, and better community by bringing all voices to the table, examining what we're doing currently, and build upon those conversations, again, for a more inclusive and inviting uh, community as uh, a city of Dublin. And the other is the Chiefs Advisory Committee. And so uh, that conversation very specifically is about how we deliver protection, service, and public safety in partnership with the community, mm-hmm. how we operate currently, and those ways that we can, again, grow and develop as a policing service here in Dublin with our community members' input, helping guide us to understand what the expectations are moving forward for our community members and what our desires are as an organization in improving our service and protection of the community. Uh, So it includes both community members um, and also officers from our police department working together to build the future of our partnership and safety in the city of Dublin.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Justin, thank you so much for this conversation.
1: Well, thank you, and I really appreciate it, and certainly, um, if there's ever anything else I can do um, in in partnership uh, with any members of our community here in Dublin or in the central Ohio area, I'm always looking for an opportunity to connect uh, and and to continue to, um, again, share as much as I can and learn as much as I can from members of our community.
0: Great. A todos, gracias por escucharnos, y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. We'll be right back. back.